This is Infidel One. Offending Coyote Down. Offending Coyote Down. Roger that. Welcome to Trappin' Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America. Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised. Every day work, every day pray. God, family, friends, yeah, everybody sins. A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. Help folks in need, don't fall for greed. A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak. If you love them, let them know. If you hate, let it go. Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow. God is all good, the devil is so real. So listen up, y'all, because this is how I feel. I won't back up, I don't back down I've been raised up to stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my check till I ain't got none Except for the good Lord of above I answer to no one Now let's cover our sponsors. They do a lot to help support Trapping Radio. So I'm asking you guys out there and gals, to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma, super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're gonna wanna deal with. You can reach him at OKTrapSupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not gonna be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T. You can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, F&T's got it. Wildlife Control Supplies. Proven solutions for wildlife control. Delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're in the ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, you need to look at these guys' website. Top-notch company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at wildlifecontrolsupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have wildlife control supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go traffic. Toting son of a gun, yeah, I'm hell on the heart, just a rebel on the run. Scared, don't know it, fear, don't feel it. The truth is the light, sometimes you gotta fight. Good beats bad, right beats wrong. I'm a ballroom preacher and this is my song. I'm climbing for the top, representing for the country. I'm the people's champ, right out to dead camp. Shotgun toter, Republican voter, Hank Jr. supporter, let's protect our border. 
to hell with anyone who don't believe in the USA. Cause this is what I say. I won't back up. I don't back down. I've been raised up to stand my ground. Take my job, but not my Hello everyone, this is your host Clint Locklear for Tramping Across America. It is December. Can you believe that already? December? It's We've, we've had some uh, cool temperatures here, but I'll be honest, today it's like 61 degrees and sun shining. We've had several days of the of that big rain front that come across pretty much the whole United States and I've got a bunch of stuff flooded out right now, but Today it feels like spring, which is, I mean, it's nice, but at the same time, it's hard to really feel like trapping, but just because it is so nice. You know, most of the time, we still have some trees with leaves on it. I mean, you're talking about a warm winter. Now, before anybody out there starts talking about global warming, don't even start that with me, but it is a very unusually warm winter so far for us and 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 i don't know about everybody around the country i know some of the guys in the midwest have already been getting hammered which brings up a good point guys when you have unseasonably warm weather and you've got animals that wearing fur coats and are trying to fatten up for the harsher part of the winter things slow down a lot so keep that in mind keep that in perspective you know if, if i was trying to go out like last night our temperatures were below freezing last night and got up to 61 today. That's not bad because the nighttime temperatures cool off and stuff start feeling kind of frisky. But with it being 60 during the day, if that temperature reached, you know, next week we're supposed to have some nighttime temperatures in the 60s. And um, as far as cow trapping and, and stuff like that, stuff's just not going to move very much. And that's just part of it there's no way to get around it so if you're rocking and rolling on your trap line you get a, if you haven't been doing this very long and the temperature shoots up on you you're just gonna have to accept that i was talking to randy he's got some stuff going on in maryland on red fox and that's what's happened to him you know he, he was just just knocking them dead and also the temperature jumped way up and then they had all that rain and stuff and it just screws up your trapping season and there's really nothing you can do about it except live through it and that's part of uh, when you're dealing with a a uh, sport occupation hobby whatever you want to call trapping that's just part of dealing with it when you're dealing with nature because nature really doesn't care what we want it to do it just kind of does its own thing so you got to keep that like i said always keep that perspective on your trap line same thing if it were to get crazy cold here like the last two novembers i've had i've had to break ice to check otter sets here in tennessee the otter shut down the beaver shut down the coon shut down it was like it went from like temperatures like i'm telling you it is right now and within a few days it was you know the high of 19 and, and low of six and stuff like that it was just too much of a, a temperature change for the animals and, and they just they just kind of quit moving and there's nothing you can do about it except keep your stuff going but what but when you see that happening most of the time when the temperature does get back to where it's supposed to be there's a flurry of action and if you get down in the mouth about your catch going off when the temperature rises don't look at it as your temperature's rising look at it as a way 
and just a different mindset on it you have an opportunity to make sure everything is just spot on on your trap line all your sets are working you know you can put out some more right now because when that temperature fluctuates back to where it's supposed to stuff starts clicking all of a sudden you know you, you've got the hero picture you've been wanting because you'll have a really good catch so that that's one way to look at this before anything else you know the flooding there's not a whole lot we can do about it you know where i live uh people that's been here are, are pretty amazed at the size of the the hills that we have on both sides of us and a lot of the creeks i almost took a picture of it and put it up on facebook one of the otter sets i was i was looking at was in a creek that was about six foot wide when i set the trap had a pretty good choke down uh point it was a little bit off current but it was it's it's a it's an annual producer for me that creek two days ago was over 300 yards wide and it'll, it'll go down here in four or five days and then i'll go in there and you know, as warm as it is pray i don't have something in that trap but there's there's nothing i can do about it short of scuba gear and then you still couldn't see because the water's so muddy but that is just part of it but if you're in an area and i'm talking from personal experience here if you're in an area that gets fluctuations of water not what i'm talking about a six foot creek going 300 yards wide but if you're in a place where rain will jump your creeks up and down three or four feet, one of the things that, that really helped me when I was just doing beaver control in the same area that I'm talking about where the flooding can be really bad is uh, think about when you're going into your locations, how you can get into that where the water rises. So what I'm saying to that, if you're, if you're, if you're, coming off a road or a field and you've got a creek that you can wade across to put a set on the other side if the water comes up you can't check it but if you set the trap on the side that you're coming in on you've got a chance to at least check that trap now one of the things i used to do because sometimes the set just needs to be where the set's going to be is i would take a long long piece of wire and i would wire that up about head height on the side of the creek that I could get to. And then I would judge what the wire was doing, whether I would pull on it or not. So if the if it looked like the trap was in the same place and the wire wasn't, you know, going straight down like I had a catch, I'd leave it alone. But that saved me a lot of fur, especially back when the otter were so high. Cause you, you would, you go in all of a sudden your wire, you could see it was going across the Creek. Now it's going straight down the Creek. You could pull it in and you, you probably have an animal. Sometimes you just have a log or a stick or something that gets, gets caught on the wire and pulls it down. But at least you have a chance then to save that animal so you can skin it, get the glands out of it, different things like that. But that's just thinking ahead a little bit. So if you're dealing with your, your flushes of water, you know, kind of have an idea of how long they stay, how bad you're going to be out of business. I mean, I remember trapping over in West Tennessee in some of those sugar sand creeks. You put a, a, a 330 in a creek for otter or beaver and you get a big flush of water. It was the most frustrating thing in the world to try to get your trap out because if it fired or not, it didn't make any difference. But the, the sand would bury the trap or bury half of the trap. And you would think as a grown man, you could just pull that out, but you can't. And the faster you, and then when you finally realize you got to dig it out, 
as fast as you can dig out the sand, the current puts it right back in the hole and it's like you can't, you can't get anywhere with it. And I mean, I, that used to drive me insane. I tried using sticks. I tried using everything to keep it off the floor of the sand, but the sand would move around to the point where it would, when it covered half of that trap, I mean, it was a nightmare getting that thing out. It make you really question where you put your traps after you have about 10 of those where it takes 40 minutes to get your trap reset. Then you question, do you really want to reset it there? So that's one of the things about floods that you've, you've really got to take into consideration. Now, if you're new to trapping and you're in somewhere that gets, once once the water gets cool, and our water's pretty cool now already, especially because it's mountain water for the most part. So it's cool all the time. You know, but even down on the Tennessee River, bigger bodies of water, that water's already cooled down because we've had several days it's been below freezing. So that's cooled down. But if you're new to trapping, have you ever wondered how long you can keep your your animal in the trap if you can't get to it before it goes bad? I can tell you most of the time, even in the south, three days, most of the time you're good. When you start getting four days and beyond if you can't get to your traps because of flooding, a lot of times you'll start having some issues five or six days you're really asking for it now keep in mind if you're somewhere up north that's probably going to be totally totally different but i think a lot of it has to do with the when you have warmer water the little bugs and stuff and bacteria that want to eat on the animal that's underwater they can they still have some activity now when you get water that's you know probably in the 40s and it's consistent consistently that way you probably don't have that same type of bacteria to deal with so don't just automatically assume if you can't get to that trap for some reason and you have an animal in there that the fur is bad but at the same time when you're when you take that animal out of the trap one of the first things you want to do is normally right behind the ears of the animal pull on it at the base of the tail where the tail meets the animal, if it's an otter or a beaver, kind of pull on that a little bit and then just move your hand around it, like up its back and around its arms and stuff. If the, the fur's not pulling out of that, then you, you take the, the animal out of the trap and you make sure that's the first one that you do when you get home that night. You get all of the, the fat and stuff off of there. And if it's, if it's warmer water, you need to get the fur off of the critter, which means you have to have a way to bevel the skin out on the line a lot of times if it's questionable. And then I would always, no matter what it is, if I if I if it's like a 50-50 chance where I'm not sure where it's going to be good or not, I'll use borax, and th that that'll definitely tighten that up, where the 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 skin pores will come together for you and it'll tighten that up enough where it'll save most stuff but borax is not going to save something that's rotten it's not going to make something unrotten at all and when you have animals that's been in a trap a lot longer be a lot more careful with the nose cartilage and the the areas around the lips and the ear cartilage and stuff like that do a really good job of cleaning that up because once that taint starts and starts spoiling, that starts breaking that down, it'll spread in a lot bigger areas than it is. So really take that time to do that. 
But there again, if you're dealing with an animal that's been under the water for a little while, go ahead, and especially on, on the ears and nose and around the, the arms and stuff like that, put a little bit of borax on that and it'll help dry that up and tighten that up if, there, if there's gonna be somewhat of an issue. The thing about bacteria that causes a lot of the taint in borax, which is basically a salt compound, is bacteria doesn't do very well in salt. So when you put that on there, it pretty much kills that. And it draws the moisture a little bit out of that part of the leather earlier than it would if it was drying. And it, and it sets the leather around the actual, the hair itself and it'll save you some time that way and it'll just do uh, do what you want to do now the main question well there's there's two things we're going to cover today one is a question from Jesse Knox and I'm going to read his email because it, this this is one of those things I promise you if you've trapped coon long enough you're going to see and question and really think about some things when it comes to coon trapping and like most really simple questions that are a little bit more complex than people think just if you really think about them and if you got some experience dealing with something like this and it's easy to jump to conclusions and it's easy to go one route or the other because I've definitely done that but sometimes you know the observation can can lead you down a very good path or it can actually lead you if you're not reading what's going on around you exactly right what's going on but uh i'm going to read this for you it says hi clint hope your season's going great i may not have huge numbers but i'm but i'm loving it called 110 coons so far three rats two beaver and too many possums to count you can tell scott and brandon that i'm the possum king I hope I'm not bugging you too much. I thought this would be an interesting question. Are DPs, dog-proof traps, as productive compared to blind sets or a snare? Don't get me wrong. DPs are crazy fast to stake, to bait, to set, and you go. I'm even using drags with DPs on my road line, and I love them. They don't go anywhere. However, I'm noticing more coon caught in blind sets and snares than DPs. Granted, I have more 11 traps I use for blind sets and snares than I do my dog-proof traps. So maybe it's just I have more blind sets out. My blind sets are either number 11s in water raccoon are passing through or bedding, are bedding and lightly blending in with long clippings in, in the trail. However, I have a couple of instances where the blind sets was questioning my trapping and I, and I think what he means is was questioning how I'm trapping I'm on a super hot coon trail I've got six sets a blind set at the top of a trail two DPs further down the trail trails go to the water in a culvert and I had a blind set where the trail meets the water then another blind set and two more DPs on the other side of the culvert the trail was heading to corn two days in a row I caught two coon in blind sets one on the top and then then the second bypass the DPs and caught in the water. I have a homemade version of Coon Crush and Coon Crack. Now I think the, the rain ruined my bait because it rained both those days. I did clean out the traps and added Blackie's Fatal Attraction and a kicker from South Dakota line, but the location went dead. 
this is not a bash the DP session. They are an awesome tool, but I'm seeing this pattern. Maybe I should only put blind sets or snares on coon or coon traps on go where the are the trails going to the corn unless there's a dog nearby. Perhaps dog proofs will be more effective later in the season when it gets colder. There's still a lot of combine cornfields that are now plowing under and it's warm like in the 30s and 50s, warm for Iowa. I think I'm using the DP and blind sets. Let's see, I think of I think of using a DP and blind sets per trail for now on, not just for the bonus fox, but to start identifying patterns where coons respond better to DPs in certain areas and where blind sets are more effective. Here's an idea. What would an ideal mafia set be for raccoon in your opinion? Sorry for the long email, but I wanted to be detailed. I'd love to listen to your opinion and wisdom. I'm not sure about the wisdom part. Thanks for your time and appreciate it. And it says, thank you for your tribute to Mr. Thorpe. I was saddened to know we lost a trapping legend. We most certainly did. Okay, we're going to go into uh, traps versus dog-proof traps. Well, th this is one of those, it's, it's, it's one of those interesting topics that, that people will argue with you until you're blue in the face. And this is also the same type of topic where, I mean, it really depends because they both have advantages and they both have disadvantages. When I go out and I'm putting my Freedom Brand FB1s or 2s in the ground, speed is my friend. And I mean, this speed will allow me to get out more traps per day. Now, even if the dog-proof traps were not say say they're eighty percent effective as a blind set trail because I don't know what that number would be and and I don't know how anybody'd really come up with that number for the simple fact were there coons there you know what time of year was it was the bait any good was the lure attractive to the coon I mean I don't know how in the world you'd actually come up with a number but let's just say that a dog proof trap is only eighty percent or even even 60% as good as a blind set for coon. Unless you can overcompensate the speed difference of putting in blind sets for raccoons with the, with the, with the weather issues and especially when you start getting into frozen ground and stuff like that. It, this is where it's really hard to know wh which one is better than the other because it's it's kind of like uh, I'll use Iowa for an example when I saw the way that the guys raccoon snared in Iowa I guarantee you they probably had as many coon walk around the snares as they did get caught I mean they were so open so blatant shiny snares short grass i mean everything that someone that was really in the snare and just kind of like gets fidgety and their eye starts kind of going back and forth with a tick when they see it over and over again which was me when i was out there but then guys caught coon now, even with those guys that i was seeing catching the raccoon going the way that they were going they were catching more coon than most people in footholds now how is that possible if half the coon were probably walking around their snares and it probably was even more than that.
because they're just so open the way that they were doing it. It was because of the speed of the system overcame the production of the system. Because what these guys were doing on these trails, and I don't know how how uh, how the snaring's being done for this email exactly, but they were using a very crude kill pole. They had put four per trail. They would put their kill poles out ahead of season. They would beat them in, which I can uh, I can only imagine if the county goes down through there to cut grass, what kind of havoc that wreaks. But we'll leave that out of the equation. But they start putting these things out like a month before season. Every trail they can find, they're putting two to four. Most of them had four kill poles on them. Right out in front of everybody with no cover, no blocking, no anything coming into it. And then opening day, all they had to do was run the snare around the kill pole, open the loop, and stick it on the whammy or the tubing, whichever one they were using. Most of them were using whammies because, I mean, they're in Ron Hansen country out there, for goodness sake. But they could put out, in probably two days, 700,000 snares. Well, if they're only 50% effective, well, now you got 350 productive sets out, if you, however you want to use the terminology to make that work, over someone that there was no way that a human being is going to put out 300 traps in two days unless they just go onto the bridge and start just plopping them down. But I mean, as far as actually getting out on, on locations like they were on these trails, they were, they, I mean, when you got in one of these dudes' area, there wasn't anywhere you could go that they didn't have a, a kill pole with two to four snares on the trails. I mean, and there was several guys that were doing this, so there was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of snares out, and it, they were out so fast to get that first flush of coon before the coon started reacting to the pressure that even if you had a set to go in before or after them that was 100 would catch 100 percent of the coon you're probably still going to lose the numbers game when it came to those guys setting the snares that way and i think when it comes to dog proof traps you're going to see kind of the same thing a raccoon at a dog proof trap and i don't care how good of one it is you're making the raccoon do something not just be somewhere that he's naturally being but you're asking that raccoon to do something and even though it's a little thing you're still asking him to do something and and no matter what the animal is or even a person or anything like that i promise you you're going to have a certain amount of those animals or people that just will not do it it wouldn't make any sense to anybody why everybody wouldn't do it but they just wouldn't do it a blind set on the other hand the reason it's such a, a deadly set the way that it is you're not asking the raccoon to do anything you're just asking that raccoon to be there so in my mind is a blind set that's really good constructed on good location could catch more per set per se than a dog proof trap yes but i don't think in most situations in most areas unless someone gets very very proficient 
and a blind setting system for raccoons, which we're going to go into one here towards the end when he's asking about a mafia set, that you're going to be able to compete with dog-proof traps, especially good ones, with good bait and good lure because of the speed and, and everything of putting the sets in. And that, that seems kind of like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, but it's really not. It's 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 just looking at the facts as they are. If if you've got a set that can catch 50% of everything out there, and you can only get a hundred traps out, but I've got a, a wait, let me let me get this exactly right in my head so this makes sense. Let's say I've got the perfect setup, no matter what that is. I can catch 100% of the animals that come down through there, but I, don't, I can only get 50 traps out to do that because of the time of putting in the set and keeping it going and everything else. And I've got something that'll catch 50% of the animals that come down through there, but I can put out twice as many, the catch will pretty much be the same. And then you gotta start thinking about the energy of putting this system in. And this is where the dog-proof traps most of the time will win out in this battle. If you're only running a few traps, well then it's really not that important because you're, you're not really running a lot of traps. If you're short on time, like you're going, you know, you're trapping before work or after work or you get two weeks of vacation or you're just pretty much setting everything up on the weekend the way a lot of guys do and run them during the week and try to set what they can then fix the line the next weekend now the amount of traps you get in is is makes a big difference because a trail no matter how good it is which this email alludes to this it's only going to produce so many coon or have the opportunity to produce so many coon in a certain amount of time by understanding that you need if you want to catch more coon that means you need to have more of the trail set up or more coon locations set up to have a bigger pool of the animals to catch and you know you can go back to, to a lot of the don bolte type stuff you know back in the 80s where you know the way that they used to look at the coon numbers you know, and kind of the way he was doing it, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. I used to know this by memory. Someone goes under a bridge the way the standard person did it back in the 80s and set six to eight coon, six to eight coon traps. Say so they're going to run, just to make the, the math simple, 100 bridges. Well, you have four coon that's going to come under that bridge. Well, you've got eight traps to catch four coon, or it could be four traps to catch the four coon. But you only have 400 coon coming under those bridges. That's the max you can catch. And I don't care whose bait you use or what system you use, you're not going to catch 100% of anything. Anybody that thinks that is delusional. So you have 400 max units of whatever to actually catch. Well, when Don Bolt and, and a lot of those guys and Ron Hansen and them were buddies, and when they started kind of changing the way that they trapped, they did it kind of like a, a gambling system would out in Vegas or something. They started playing the numbers. Well, if you can run 100 bridges with eight traps, 
you got 400 coon as a unit to catch total. Well, if you could run two traps at 200 bridges, now you've got 800 coon to catch and you can be more specific on your location instead of trying to fill them in, which we've talked about with coyotes a lot. So you've got 800, you got four coon trying to get in two traps, but on twice as many locations. And when Don Bolte and stuff would catch the numbers that he was catching back then, no one thought he could do it, but it's because he changed the way that he was going after the coon. Not so much the set. He had to change his set so it was very fast. He had to change it where it was uh, very simplistic in production style, no doubt about that. But he changed the parameter of, instead of going after the 400 coon and trying to catch the 400 coon with the four eight traps under the bridge, he'd rather go after 800 coon with, the, with a fewer amount of traps, but you're trying to get the four eight coon into two traps. So your percentage is higher and you've got more coon to work with. And this is what you're going to find out on the dog-proof traps. If you're going to, if you're talking numbers, if you're, you know, and I know there's a lot of guys that listen to this show that's not into the numbers. Great. You're not into trying to catch a bunch of coon. That's awesome. If you're only going to be running a few traps, then you can spend more time because you're only going to get to so many locations where it makes any difference anyway. So your pool of coon running short lines is only going to be so much. Then there again, you gotta you've got to play that that like razor's edge. If I could if I could speed this up and make the pool bigger, would my time be better spent, or is the time because it's so short, I've got to be very very productive on the on the fewer locations that I have to get the max out of that location and then go to new locations. See, trapping is, is a very simple thing, but it is very complex when you really get into it outside of the, I'm just gonna go put some pocket sets in. Because there's a lot of ways when it comes to time management, you've gotta really think about your traps and your trap management and the trap, the, the animal population that you're trying to trap. All that's gotta come into play. And it can get where it seems very almost like PhD-ish when you really start thinking about it. And it can, even on something as simple as raccoon trapping. And the system that you pick or the manner that you pick, I promise you, can make the difference between a 50% catch or, or you know, over what you would do a different way. Or it could be, you know, if you're catching 50 coon, you could catch 200 coon. Or if you could catch 200, but the way you're doing it, it's only going to catch 50. So you, you've got to really think about your situation. That's where it gets so dangerous when someone just follows somebody else's system. And that's why I'm always talking about you got to think. You got to observe, which is being done on this email. So I'll give you kudos for that. But instead of trying to mimic a system, because if you try to mimic red system, in Pennsylvania, good luck. You need to you need to mimic Randy Smith's system. Red will be very clear to you that with the laws of Pennsylvania, and you can't put in pockets as fast because there's more rocks and there is dirt. His system's going to have issues. Randy, as far as I know, the only person to ever catch over a thousand coons in the snow and ice in Pennsylvania. 
his system is not like red system because they're different for different areas and everything like that. So, but so if you just if you really like red system and you tried to mimic red O'Hearn, you're going to get into issues. If you're in a place like Tennessee where some of our laws are, and you tried to totally mimic Randy's system, you're going to be in trouble. So you you've got to you got to think all of that. So when you see somebody's system or you hear someone say this is the way I do it. Instead of trying to mimic what they're doing, trying to mimic what they're trying to get at as far as their system is helping them for. And then you may have to evolve that one way or the other for that to work. So not to make raccoon trapping sound complex because it's really not, but at the same time that it really is. So on a single trail, let's say, uh, I'm in Iowa and, and before school I can run 10 trails. Okay, if, if I can run 10 trails with blind sets, can I run 20 trails with DPs? My pool of coon will be bigger. But maybe I want to keep my expenses down and only run those 10 trails. I would probably run DPs on the outside of a trail. So if I was going to put in, uh, I would, if I was going to do a system like that, my first way of going about doing this system would be, I'd probably run eight to 10 traps per trail. On the outside of that, I would run dog proof traps on both ends of the trail as, as far as you can get. On a short trail, you're, you're not going to be able to do this, but if you've got some room, I'd run dog proofs on the outside and then I would run blind sets on the interior of that trail. One, it'd be a really great way to test your bait and lure and your DPs, the way that the email's talking about. But the speed of the DPs will allow me to really up the number of chances to catch raccoons. And the blind sets, because I'm not asking the raccoon to do anything besides be there, will also catch raccoons that may not want what's in that DP that night. Because raccoons are just like anything else. They're just like you are. You drive by restaurants that you've been to before and you don't even think about stopping. Some nights you want pizza, some nights you want pork chops. Some nights you're not feeling good and you're just not hungry. I mean, that, that's just the way that it is. And the, the, the blind set, the reason it's such a devastating set to put out, if, every, if you've got it right and on the right location, is the animal has no idea whatsoever that there's anything that's trying to catch him. Nothing. And he's just got to be there. So when he's walking down the trail thinking about, man, I wish I had some Thai food and I don't know why my girlfriend's being mean to me. The trap goes off and all of a sudden he's caught. That's why they're so deadly. But I would want to up the number of pieces of equipment on that on a smaller number of trails because you will have nights where a coon trail on average may have two or three coon go down it, may have six, eight, or ten go down it. And since I'm dealing with such a small pool, I want, to, I want to have an opportunity to catch every single coon that comes down that trail. Every one of them. You could mix in snares if you wanted to. The blind set 
is going to outproduce a snare, which in and depending on how you're snaring, the the DP and the snare are probably going to be about the same. It really depends on how you're doing it, how sophisticated your snaring is, or proficient, I should say. So you you have something that's a lot more hundred percent with the blind set, but it takes more time to put in. I mean, you can get really good at putting in blind sets. There's no doubt about that. And and you can put them in very quickly, which we're going to talk about here in a second. But it's, ne it's never going to be as fast as the DP. And the other part you've got to think about with your blind sets, you get two inches of rain and the trail is already below grade, especially out in Iowa where them coons have been using some of them trails for years. The grass clippings are probably going to get washed away. And the DPs give you a backup on those trails that even though the bait may get wet, you're still going to have odors coming out of that a coon may mess with. So there's an insurance value. The reason I'm saying I would use DPs and footholds or DPs and snares. I do that now on a lot of different places because... Uh, when I'm on a control job, some of the control jobs I go on, raccoons are not that prevalent. But when I do get like on the, the side of a river or a creek or up next to an old building or a den tree or something like that where there's obviously there's there's a potential for a lot of coons to be there, I'll set blind sets, dirt hole sets, DP sets. If it's legal, I'll put out snares. I want to have every single thing that I can because they all have different ways that they'll help you. And don't be afraid of one over the other. Now, what you're seeing, Jesse, is the percentage probably that the blind sets is a little bit better than a DP trap. But if, if you were, we're going to be honest with each other, depending on how many traps you're running, because you're already saying you're using more DPs and, and then snares than you are DPs, which if you wanted to run a real test, you'd have to use equal numbers of each. And you would almost have to have someone go with you that is not a trapper, that has no agenda whatsoever. And he, he when you pull over, you look over at him and he goes, this is DPs. And then that's what you set. And then the next one he'll go, snares then he'll set snares the next one he'll go dps then he'll go footholds then footholds that way you don't have a bias that you're not even aware of that you're doing if you have more faith in a blind set you're going to pick the best spots for the blind set and it's going to give you a false reading so you'd have to have some way to do that but i think it's a very interesting thing to do and then you'll have to figure out okay it takes me x amount of time to put in a blind set, it takes X amount of time to put in a snare, and it takes X amount of time to put in DPs. Okay, one is gonna be, I know which one of those is gonna be quicker, it's gonna be the DPs. Depending on your territory where you're at, is there a bigger advantage to get to more of those trails because they're not as far apart, like in where I was at in Iowa anyway, You'd get on some of those big blocks with cornfields. You could do a square around that thing and find 20 or 30 coon trails. 
So you're not going a long, long way between them. You don't have to. Then some have culverts and stuff like that. So you got to take that into, into account too. So it's really going to depend on your time, uh, how many trails you want to set up to see to get in a certain amount of pool of animals and and go about it that way that's kind of interesting now what's one of the things that i do think is interesting that you said is the bonus from the fox for using the blind sets which is true What would be an ideal mafia set for coon, in your opinion? Okay, this is where you might need to go get a sheet of paper to understand what I'm getting ready to say. I don't think you need to go to the same point with a raccoon that you do a coyote when you're going to put in a quote mafia set. What I'm going to tell you is not a mafia set. I learned this from Bob Best from Pennsylvania eight, ten years ago. And I've used it a lot for fox and, and uh, cats and even caught coyotes with this. And it's a one trap system. I don't think 11s is your best option just because of the simplicity of your kill zone is so small that you're, you're asking the coon to, to be a, such a tight place that you're gonna have misses. So the part of the advantage you're using A blind set is to get that that higher higher percentage in there I would go I'd play around with you know the way theft can be a problem in Iowa I would play around with some number two Dukes or something like that or some uh, minimum one and a half but I would go with number two go ahead and, and just for for cheapness sake get you a bunch of number nine annealed wire and double laminate the trap so so you've, you've got a really big area to get flow down to its its feet so it doesn't chew on itself. With the coal spring on a blind set, unless you're in really sandy area, it's gonna speed you up. You know, you could use whatever trap. If I was gonna go for my own self and, and go out and do what I'm getting ready to, it would be a number three Bridger Douglas or Or something like that 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 I would uh, that I would use uh, just because if I put a big pan on it which I would do anyway it would give me such a bigger kill area than you'll ever get with a number 11 a, a number three with a big pan skill level I don't really think it's gonna make that big a difference is always gonna outproduce a number 11 and there's no way to get around that so keep that in mind when you're doing this so whatever trap you're going to use i'd get as big as you're comfortable with using if you're going to be doing a lot of road trapping and stuff you're going to have to get somewhat cheap with it i totally get that because you're going to get a bunch of stuff stolen i would figure out a way if you could to put a big pan something like an expander pan which is real reasonable on on something like that and go with it and if you already got number 11s and that's what you're going to use but keep in mind, a number 11, because of the size of the jaw, on those big raccoons in Iowa, it's like trying to set a number two coal spring for a beaver's back foot. That's basically what you're doing. 
you've got a foot that's bigger than the trap. Will it catch them and hold them by the back foot? Absolutely. But you can also get some very weird catches that may not hold because of that, or you may have some snapped off traps because of that. So keep that in mind. You're using a smaller trap than the back foot of the animal. And just because you want to catch them by the front foot, it don't really make a hill of beans when you're out in the field. Stuff just happens. You get bigger than their back foot with a number two size trap, you know, five and a half inches, something like that. Better yet, a, a number three. And if you're thinking that's too big for a coon, I mean, that's a that's just a topic for another show on that one. But uh, okay, we've got our trail, and we're 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 gonna say that the coon is either coming or going one direction. What I'm getting ready to tell you really didn't matter how he's coming, but I like setting it up that way. Just for one, I feel like I'm doing a little bit better job about the situation I'm in than blindly doing this. So if you, if you, the first thing I want you to do is on a sheet of paper so you can understand what I'm doing is I want you to draw an X. And I want you to look at that X. Now at the bottom of that X, your, where it crosses is pretty much gonna be somewhere in the middle. Now I want you to draw another X where they cross where it's only 25% from the bottom. So it's not like a dead X, like a, the, you know, the, the letter but you want to bring that down so that the, where they cross is only 25% off the ground or where in real life it's going to be about four to five inches off the ground. The size of the sticks is pretty irrelevant. The size of the sticks can be relevant if you're dealing with people looking for traps. But they can be brush, they can be uh, sticks, they can be uh, reeds, cattail reeds, they can be whatever you want them to be. But what you're doing is you're making an X where it's dead center of that trail and the, where the, the X of the thing crosses four to five inches off the ground. Now what happens when a raccoon comes involved with that is he's walking up to that and it's a barrier. It's not, it's not a crazy barrier like you're running a fence or something across through there, but you're putting an obstacle in front of that raccoon's travel way. The raccoon, by nature, will just will go to the lowest point of that X, and he will step over it. And now, where he steps over it is where you want the trap to be. So when he steps over that, he's going to be down there. And, and like, if you've got coon going to a trail, I want the trap on the the, the cornfield side if I can. Now you can catch them coming the other way. Don't get me wrong about that. But the set is set up better. Now if you wanted to get super intense on getting like a 100% catch, you could put a trap on each side of that. But I don't think it's really necessary for a raccoon. It's a fast thing to put in. So in your, your you know, you go out before season like some choke cherries or willows or, or whatever's around you, cut you a bunch of sticks that are 12, 14 inches. Just have a bundle of them inside of your, your bag. You bed your trap, you stick these sticks in, then you blend your trap with your grass clippings, and if you're on a drag, you're done. 
So it is, it is really fast. It's not as fast as a DP and it's not as waterproof as a DP, but it is a deadly, deadly raccoon set. And you can repeat that several times in one trail very, very quickly. And if you're in mud, you'll, you'll find out pretty quick that if you're using, not using, I mean, this is one thing that the long spring is definitely good for. If you're in mud, <coughs> excuse me, you can stomp with the heel of your, uh, your, your wader or your boot to give you a trap bed and then kind of cant your foot where you, once you do this a few times, you'll know where those levers are at and you can, you can, you can also stomp down and give you the place to put your levers. And then you set the trap and you can wiggle that down in there and it'll be below ground level. Then you take your grass clippings and cover it up. I do that a lot around here when I'm blind setting next to rivers and stuff with my, with my threes and fours. It, it's just a way that I can put in traps very, very quickly. You can do it with a hammer if you want to. Instead of digging out where you're going to have more water and mud issues, you compress the stuff down and with a long spring you can get it in there. If you're in mud or sand, a lot of times you can still use the, the, the heel of your boot and then you can, you can like set the trap in there and horse it down pretty hard and you can get one piece of advice on using blind sets for anything. Do not use hair triggers. Do not do it. You're asking for trouble and you're asking for toe catches and that is not what you want on a raccoon. You want to have at least an honest to goodness two, two and a half pounds even for a raccoon trap on dry ground. If you just want big coon, like this year, where about the only thing you're probably going to have any interest in re in reality is going to be the really big, nice coon, I would bump that thing up there like a coyote and put that about four pounds, and a lot of your smaller coons, possums, and skunks will not be able to set the trap off. Now, some will, but a majority of them won't. And a lot of the, the bad press that the blind sets have gotten over the years is guys were using three and four Victor long springs with pinch pans, which means there was no nut and bolt, no way to really uh, give it any pan tension unless you went to a Miles trigger system or put a positive trip pan on it or something like that. So they're using traps that a rodent can fire off and they were catching rodents and birds and all kind of craziness. And just through the myth of trapping, now if you put a blind set in, you're catching every crazy thing in the world. Well, if you just want a really big raccoon, bump that up to about four pounds. You're only gonna catch big raccoons. Those small peep raccoons, you may catch a few, but most of them won't be able to fire the trap off. And when you do catch a coon, it's gonna be a solid catch. Guarantee you that one. It'll be a solid catch. And if you go ahead and double laminate your traps the way I said, go ahead and do that on your raccoon traps, even though they may get stolen. That's This is one modification. You either find a buddy that can weld or you do it, cut you a bunch of number nine wire, double laminate it. That means on top and bottom. That way you get plenty of blood flow with a bigger trap and you, the chewing issue kind of goes away. Raccoons chew because they don't have any feeling in their foot. They don't chew to get out of the trap. But if you're using a small trap, 
or a smaller trap that's not laminated but strong, it cuts the blood flow off and the raccoon doesn't have a sense to know whether he's chewing on the base plate or his foot. So you got to keep that in mind when you're doing that. So if you want to get have fun with blind sets and coons, that, that's what I would do. I would, I would have these sticks already with me because if you're planning on finding sticks when you're out there, guys, don't, don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. Because half the stuff you're going to find is going to rot, be rotten. It's going to break off in the ground. It's not going to be with the arm length. You're going to totally make a set that could be fairly quick to put in. Make it take twice as long as you got to go find sticks. Not everywhere you're going to set these, or you can reach up with a pair of clippers and cut branches. Just have them with you. It's not that big a deal. I promise eight or ten of these sticks in your bag is not going to weigh you down so much that you can't get more traps out. So when you set your bag down, you bed your trap, you put your sticks in so you can see your trap, cover the trap over, and walk away. And especially if you're using a drag, it's pretty fast. Like I said, it's not DP fast, but it's pretty fast. You'll also catch plenty of fox doing that because that doesn't seem to, to, to raise their attention whatsoever. Cats don't pay any attention and it really lines them up for you good too and it, the coyotes i've definitely caught i mean i've probably caught 30 40 coyotes doing this in places that i was actually raccoon trapping as long as it's it doesn't look just like you know crazy big sticks and where someone just walking down the trail go oh someone's doing something there you don't want it like that my favorite thing that i use around here which i can cut a lot of really quick is River King, which is like a miniature bamboo. I just I just go through with my clippers that's hollow and I can cut an eight foot piece of this stuff, strip off the leaves, and inside of that, you know, I've got eight or ten pieces of material to do this with as it is. But but that is the ultimate speed flat set for raccoons that I know of when you're using a foothold. You know, the because there again, you're not asking that raccoon to do anything whatsoever except be there. But even as fast as that is, in good weather, they're going to work really, really good. But when you start getting bad weather, just because you're using a foothold, you're going to have issues you're going to deal with. Stomping that thing down in the ground when... It, it starts freezing up in Iowa, which can be any day. When that happens, a lot of times you will have a trap frozen into the ground where that doesn't happen with a dog-proof trap. So that's one thing you have to keep in mind. If you are going to be doing it in a place, because I know when I, was, when I was trapping out in Iowa, we had a very warm week, catch was down, and then it cooled off, catch went really high, and then within two days later, a lot of my trap sets were frozen in the water. I mean, it don't happen like that around here. I mean, it happened fast out there. And I wasn't doing any type of uh, dryland sets with in the mud, but it was mud because it was warm and then it got really cold. And then if you were to have a trap in that dirt, I mean, the ground was froze like a rock in just a couple of days, at least down a couple inches. So you'll need to think about everything you're doing in advance. If you know that's coming, 
go ahead and put down some uh, you know some salt or chloride or, or something like sodium chloride something like that maybe even glycerin glycerin is probably a little expensive to be using on raccoons this year but uh, some salt but which means you got to have a trap that's not going to just just disintegrate because it's uh, it's not either waxed or full metal jacketed or something where you got some protection on it because it'll eat it up so you've got to think about that so you've got to consider the frozen ground part of that over the dp but let's say let, let's let's take this a step further a thinking trapper is always going to be better off than someone that's not so uh, let's let's say you only have so much time to trap or you've got all day to trap and you can run as many traps as you want to if season opens november 1st and you can watch the weather and you're going to have 10 10 11 days of really good weather or even warmer weather where the raccoons may be more lethargic which is probably what is being seen with these these dps right now and they're going to a food source even when that happens the flat set's probably going to outshine per piece of equipment over the dog proof trap so being a thinking trapper let's step back and go okay i'm going to have issues with a foothold with weather when this happens it looks like i've got five days, 10 days, 15 days before that should start bothering me. So if you went out and it, your first line was all flat sets, I mean not flat sets, but blind sets, and you took the most cream off the most trails you could get in at a time before the weather made you change what you were doing, that's fine. That means you pull your, as you're pulling your footholds, which are now going to start causing you issues, you're replacing them with dog-proof traps. Or you're going to new trails, so you're, or you could just pull the traps and go to a new location if you wanted to, if there's still coons showing up. I'll tell you one thing about raccoons in Iowa, especially after talking with Red. His lines are set out most of the time for about 30 days. And he's running a lot of them over a large area and what he's seen is in in smaller locations because we've talked about this in smaller areas trails will go dead for whatever reason but by being in a larger area there's always somewhere that's hot and then there's a lot of places that are mediocre but by putting out traps and putting out traps and putting out traps to where after say four or five days he's at the point where he can't run any more traps he lets those sit for up to 30 days and they cycle in numbers but because he spread out over such an area they cycle in numbers where it's always high but if you did that in a small area if you put raccoon traps say like on I don't know five farms it's going to be a really bad situation when that goes dead but if you're doing what red's doing and and 20 miles over that way you got traps and 20 miles over this way you got traps and 40 miles over that way you've got traps and there are all these traps in between there's always somewhere that's cycling high and he's keeping his raccoon numbers up that way and he's doing it because max amount of traps because a lot of times what happens in especially on these trails going to food sources Raccoons are going there every day. Season opens, all a bunch of them get smacked. 
a lot of times those trails will go dead for three, four, five, six days. You may catch one or two stragglers, but the, the amount of coon that's making that trail is no longer there. They either go somewhere else or they figure out a different way to go to the, the, the food source. I see this on, on animal feeders all the time. If you let them set, whatever happened in those raccoons' mind kind of leaves them and then you'll have another flush of catches and it'll go dead again. Another flush of catches and it'll go dead again. But if you leave your traps out over a large enough area, and you know, when I'm talking this, you know, Red's running 150, 200 mile line in these loops. So he's covering a tremendous amount of area. And you're letting these cycles happen off and on, off and on, off and on, off and on. But you're keeping up, you know, 30, 40, 50 raccoons a day because this is dead, that's hot, that's mediocre, that's hot, this is dead, that's hot, that's mediocre, this is dead, this is dead, this is dead, this is hot. And as those cycle through, you're set up and you have everything blanketed over. Now, being a thinking trapper and being where I've trapped in Iowa, I do think, depending on the number of trails you're running, if you're not going to be able to run as many, set them up heavier if you're not if you're going to run a bunch of them the way red does i would just set two per trail because you're going to have a bigger pool to do that with but if you're looking at the weather and you see and you have really good luck with your blind sets way more than you're doing with your snares or uh dps or, or dirt hole sets or whatever you're doing if you see that watch the weather because if you're watching the weather and you go from good weather where you're, you know, king of the mountain and then you switch over and you're still doing okay, but you see that weather is going to allow you another five days to seven days to a week of being good weather, I would start rotating out whatever the best thing is that I'm using. You know, if you're, if you're going to be dealing with skiffs and stuff of snow and a lot of rain, you, you know, you may, you may, instead of going back to the footholds, you may switch out the foot the footholds for the blind sets for snares at that point, and, and go about it that way. But it, it's it's to me it's, it's it's a very interesting topic because something as simple as coons is not simple when you really think about it from all the different angles that you have. Like I've said before, using sweet bait early and then transitioning into meat based stuff later makes a big difference in your catch using the weather that you have to take full advantage of it makes sense to me even if there's more labor involved from switching out of one system to the next the bump in the catch most of the time will make up for it i would definitely go about it that way but sit back and, and be realistic with yourself. Not, not the world that you want, but the world that you're living in. Are you going to be a small number of trails guy, you know, 30, 40 trails guy, a 200 mile line guy? What is your weather? What is your ability to put sets in with speed? I mean, if you're just getting started and you want to catch a lot of raccoons, I would definitely go with the DPs. If you want to learn a skill, which every trapper needs to be, I would definitely be playing around with, with, with the blind sets. 
Now, part of the blind sets that's also in this email, guys, is setting in the water. Yeah, you're going to have a hard... When you see coon trails go into the water, you want a foothold there. As good as the DP is, unless you're having flooding, it's going to be hard to compete with that because the animal's just going to do what the animal's going to do. Those type of, of uh, blind sets are really cool. Another one, if you start looking at your creeks, where they, where they go into the water, a lot of times if you, you can see the trail, even footprints in it, or you can use your, your hand and you will feel the trail underneath the water. Just put a foothold in there, guys. Just put it in there. You'll catch coon. If I've got a stretch that's got a lot of coon and you see where, because of the way the train is, the raccoons are being pushed into the water to go through a culvert, I'm going to set where they go into the culvert. But then I'm going to try to figure out, are they going back up to the bank or are they staying in the water? Can I massage the creek a little bit as far as some blocking or something to get them right where I'm wanting? And then uh, when I find their trail, you know, with either seeing the tracks or feeling the tracks, I may put, if I've got 10 feet, I may put four or five footholds in that, that section. They, a raccoon has absolutely zero defense against a set like that. Zero. If the water comes up and goes back down and you don't have a massive torrent of water, those traps are still working when the water comes back down. You don't have to mess with them. Most of the time you'll just be able to see them that they're still there as long as they haven't been silted in. But if they are, you just scoop them up, kind of shake them around and set them back down. That's how easy a set like that is to put in. And that's still a blind set even though it's in water. And one of the funnest things if you're a snareman is go out and catch some coon in the water with snares. If you've got a... If you've got a creek and you look down in there and you can see that there's raccoon tracks in there which for some reason most people don't take the time to do this you can see that there's tracks in there you can block them down kind of like a beaver and then put your your snare it depends on the the depth uh, for a raccoon cannot walk in his normal way in water that's probably over 12 inches deep what they do is they kind of walk like me and you do. They're kind of buoyant. And they kind of walk that way. You can put a snare in their way and kind of block it in with some brush. Because I've, 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 there's a friend of mine that I've actually... He had to buy dinner several days in a row until he figured out that this was a very uh, productive way of catching raccoons. Because he would go, okay, there's coon tracks in there. Why don't you snare that one? And I would. The, the loop on the snare on those is going to be about eight inches and have it about half in, half out of the water if the water is 12 inches or deeper. If the water is only a half inch deep, just do it as normal. And you'll flat catch those raccoons. And that's, you know, even though that's a snare, that's, that's still technically a blind set, I would say. But be creative. Whatever you're using... Think about the animal, how they're going to go through their train, and use that to your advantage. Most of the time, animals will tell you how to catch them. They're like a kid that's done something wrong that they can't keep their mouth shut about it. 
they got to tell mama or daddy. One way or the other, even if they don't want to, they just got to. And animals are the same way. They will tell you how to catch them if you'll just listen. The problem with that is, is the trapper has got to shut up and listen. So when you're out on your line, instead of you trying to force your will on the situation, look it over and listen to what's going on and watch and observe. And that's when trapping becomes really, really fun because you start seeing things that you normally couldn't see. You start doing things that you normally couldn't do. And it just gets a lot more exciting that way. So, well, I was going to talk about beaver at the end, but I got talking about raccoons and I have to admit raccoons is one of those things. You start talking about trapping numbers. My blood pressure goes up just to fuzz. Brain starts cranking around a little bit. And uh, anyway, we talked a whole hour on raccoons and uh, blind set and DP. So guys, hope y'all having a great season. Go out there and wear them boogers out. Have a good time. Stay safe. And just enjoy yourself while you're out there. And I'll talk to y'all next week. You boys ever met a real country girl? i
She's a homegrown 